Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. This is our fourth Easter as a church. We've been, we've been going three years. Uh, as I was thinking about and praying about uh, what to share today on, on Resurrection Sunday, I couldn't help but think that last year, this same time, we were not able to meet in person. In fact, for, for 12 weeks, we didn't meet in person. We just, I preached to the camera. And uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but because we had the, the snowstorm a couple weeks ago, and we weren't able to have people in service. And I said, you know, church is a lot easier without you guys here. Like, we just preach and do our thing, whatever. But I will say this, it is much, much, much better with you here. I love having people in the building. And uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Um, if I would have, if I could know, if I could have known last year what I know now, I probably would have done a few things differently. I think I don't have any regrets, but I probably would have done a few things uh, differently in retrospect. Um, but there's literally no one that I could go to to get advice. Like, how do you, how do you navigate through a pandemic? No one could give me advice. Um, but thank God we lived... Um, I just want to give a shout out to Weld County. We lived in an amazing county. Um, this is not a political statement whatsoever. I don't even know who the people are, but whoever you are, Weld County, thank you for letting us be open and stay open. Um, so you have my vote for next time. But, um, but we were able to be open much sooner than most churches. We were able to be more open than most churches. Um, but I'm so glad we're here. We made it, and I, I think things are uh, training differently in the world, so hopefully it continues on that trajectory. So welcome, welcome church family, those of you who are watching from home for whatever reason you couldn't be here. Um, we love you guys, and you're part of the church family as well. Uh, before I get really rolling here, I just want to say thank you. Emily thanked a few people. I want to thank a few people too. Uh, thank you to our sound and media team. You guys are awesome uh, for just everything you do every week. We... There's absolutely no way we could do this without um, all of you. I mean, we thank you so much. I, I came by here last night to drop a few things off about 10 o'clock. Russell and, and David were up here setting things up, and they were here late. They were here after I left, and they were here before I got here. So those guys are amazing. So thank you guys uh, for all you do. Uh, the title of our message today is called Living the Resurrected Life. Living the Resurrected Life. I don't know why you came here today, maybe you're like, I need to observe, we're going to observe Easter. Listen, I don't want to observe the resurrection, I want to participate in the resurrection, amen? Um, Listen, Christianity is a full contact sport. Jesus comes, he lives inside of us, amen? And we get to be in relationship with one one another, and we we get to storm the gates of hell, amen? Okay, it's a full contact sport. I want to live the resurrected life. I don't want to just talk about what Jesus did. It was so amazing and empowered us to do what we do. I want to live the victorious life. Jesus rose from the dead. But how many know that his resurrection was your resurrection? His death, burial, and resurrection is your resurrection. His victory that he won for you is your victory. I want to talk about the cross today, but I don't want to end at the cross. The cross is the place where Jesus died, but the story did not end there. The story didn't end on Friday. It crescendoed on Sunday. It crescendoed when he rose from the dead. 
I'm not sure what the circumstances are that brought you here today. Maybe, maybe for many of you, going to church is just routine. That's what you do. And listen, that's a great routine to have. You know, spiritual disciplines are a good thing. Maybe someone uh, brought you here today, and you maybe were drug, or, drug along reluctantly. Okay. Or maybe you're a creaster. That's, that's, that's the name we call people who come to church on Christmas and Easter. Maybe you're a creaster, okay? <laughs> At any rate, we're glad you're here. But I'll tell you why I hope you're not here. This is why I hope you're not here. Sometimes I think on Easter, Christians go to church because it's like, you know, Jesus died for me, and I want to go pay my respects to Jesus, so I'm going to go to church on Easter. Okay, um, kind of like you're going to a funeral. Like, people go to funerals to pay their respects, right? It's a respectful thing to do. But listen, this death was no ordinary death. Why? Because the story didn't end on Friday in suffering. It ended on Sunday at the resurrection. And everything hinges on the resurrection. Everything in the Christian life hinges on the resurrection. If there's no resurrection, we are the biggest, most gullible people in the history of the world. Paul said to be pitied above everyone if there's no resurrection. It all hinges on the resurrection. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says this, For he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Okay? It didn't just end in death for our sins. It culminated in our justification. We are, we are justified before God. Uh, I love the way the, the Passion Translation says this, Romans 4.25. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. Prove that he had made us right with God. The resurrection proves that we stand justified. We stand acquitted. We stand restored. Amen. He rose from the dead to prove to us that we would actually have, God actually wants you to have confidence. It says boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. We don't have to reluctantly and, and, and be shy and bashful to come before God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because of his resurrection. Amen. So what is left before us? What is left before us? Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He didn't say to be continued. He said it's finished. The work that needed to be done to make you right with God is done. Everything that can be done to make you right with God has been done. Jesus did it all. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, guess what? We start at the finish line. We start at the finish line. We start upon what Jesus accomplished for us. All right? So... I want to talk about living the resurrected life. Following Jesus is not supposed to be boring. Following Jesus is supposed to be the most exciting thing that any of us ever do in the course of our life. He's worthy of every part of us. He's worthy of our entire lives. It is the most exciting thing you can do with your life. Today, I want to give you three things that Jesus did not come to do, or I'll say it this way, three misconceptions that Jesus did not come to do. And I want to talk about three things that he did come to do. And in the process, I brought my shotgun today. We're going to slaughter a few religious cows, okay? You might have been hoping to come for a nice Easter message, but I've come to slaughter some religious cows, okay? What is religion? Religion is a form of godliness, a form of spirituality without power, without substance. But we want the real deal, amen? Speaking of cows and misconceptions. Have you ever heard the saying, that person is like a bull in a china shop? 
they're like a bull in a china shop, you know, of a clumsy person who, you know, ruins things. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I don't know why, but I, I broke a lot of things on accident. I was always breaking things. My family's like, you're like a bull in a china shop. Um, have you guys ever read the, the, the book of Mice and Men or saw the movie of Mice and Men? There's Lenny. Remember Lenny? He was like a bull in a china shop. He, was just, he didn't know his own strength. He was always breaking things. That's kind of like how I was when I was, when I was a little kid. But l- let me ask you this question. Is that actually true? Would a bull destroy China if they were led into a china shop? Is that true? Okay. <laughs> Luckily for us, Mythbusters did an experiment so that we would know whether that's a true statement or not. So we have a short video for you. Go ahead and roll that. My favorite part on the show is when you expect one thing to happen and then the exact opposite happens. His stomach is inside his helmet. And a perfect example was a bull in a china shop. You've heard this expression your whole life, bull in a china shop. It means a really clumsy person breaking things. Did it hurt the bull? I'm okay. You know, we set up this kind of rickety shelved china shop complete with all these dishes in this bull pen. This one looks like it's ready to go without the bull. And we let one bull in. For us, it was just a laugh. Oh, dang! Here comes the bull! Oh, look, he's totally avoiding all the china. It was the most graceful thing I'd ever seen. And it was running fast. It wasn't just walking. I mean, it was moving quick, just weaving in and out of these shelves, not even touching it. Whoa! Getting right through the shelves without knocking over a single piece. That was cool! Okay, that's strange. Let's let two bulls in. So the two bulls, one follows the other one, and they just go around the china shop. Look at that. (laughs) They're very careful of the breaking china. I was elated when I found out that the bulls weren't gonna break anything because it was just so counterintuitive. I mean, they're big, giant, lumbering beasts. But no, they're ballet dancers. They're the ballet dancers of the wild. I think we're gonna have to just admit it. It's a stupid saying, I'm never gonna use it again. Bull in a china shop busted. Busted. Yeah, it's busted. All right, myth busted. Don't say it anymore. Bull in a china shop. They're, they're ballet dancers, okay? All right. Well, we're going to slaughter some cows today. Anyway, because beef is good. Amen? Ooh, that's the, that's the most hearty amen I've had all day. I said beef is good. All right. Let's get you all to lunch then. Okay, what does the resurrected life look like? Point number one, Jesus did not come to control you. He came to empower you. Amen? God's ultimate goal is not to control you. His goal is to transform you and empower you, okay? Many people may not say this out loud, but the way they think and act is that God's ultimate goal for them is to control them. Um, Yes, God has a specific plan, purpose, and destiny for your life, but his goal ultimately is not to control you, it's to empower you. Uh, Let me illustrate. How many of you have kids, children, adult or, or other? Okay, let me ask you a question. Is your ultimate parenting goal to control your kids? Someone said yes. Now, depending on what stage of life, there's more control than others. But the end goal, 
right? It's for autonomy, right? That they would operate in society and function, okay? I hope your ultimate goal isn't to control your kids. If it is, you have bigger problems, okay? <laughs> no, what do we do? You want, the, you want what's best for your children. So what do we do? We instill values. We instill a hard work ethic. We create an atmosphere of respect in the home. But ultimately, we hope they take those things and then go out in the world and make good choices with those things. And that we raise a, autonomous. So a, the opposite of control is someone being a, autonomy, like autonomous, right? Um, you want them to go leave the nest and uh, then you can do something else with the room or whatever. You want them to move out and you want them to be respectful, powerful, godly adults, okay? Our ultimate goal is to control children. But if your goal is to control them, they will either, number one, grow to resent you, or two, prove you wrong. Eventually, they'll, they'll grow to prove you wrong if your goal is to control them. So that isn't the ultimate goal. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why there, are two, why there were two trees in the garden? There's the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Listen, in order for there to be love, there must be a choice. In order for love to exist, there must be a choice. And love, at its core, must have free will. Someone might say, wait, Pastor Kurt, you're talking about free will? I thought you said other times that God is sovereign and he's in control of things. Yes, but there's also free will. Okay, listen, both God's sovereignty and free will are true. This is... um, a little mysterious, but it's true. Uh, l- let, me, let me illustrate this way. Let me ask you a question. Is light a wave or a particle? I heard someone say yes. Some of you are like, I have no idea. <laughs> Tell me. Okay, is light a wave or particle? Yes. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton believed that light traveled as a particle. But then it was proved that light travels in waves. Case closed, right? Well, for many years, it was believed that light only traveled in a wave. But other experiments also proved that light is a particle. So we have experiments proving both, proving that light is both a particle and it travels in waves. They've concluded that we're dealing with something unlike anything else that we're familiar with, okay? Um, If there's wave-particle duality, okay? So it's both. Same thing with sovereignty and free will. Some of you, you believe in strongly in the sovereignty of God, and I would say, you're right. You've ran the experiment, and you've seen the sovereignty, and, the, and God is in control, and guess what? You're right. He's in control, and thank God for his sovereignty, and thank God for his control. The older I get, the more I want that. It's like, God, just take the reins, you know? I've messed this thing up enough, you know? But also, there's free will. Some of you have ran the experiment, and you're like, But there's choice and there's free will. And yes, absolutely, there's free will. They're both true. Love requires there to be free will. It's part of the deal. So God's ultimate goal isn't to control you. He wants a loving connection and loving relationship with you. More than anything, by the way. He wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to have a loving connection with you. More than anything. But in order for that to exist, there has to be choice. There has to be free will. Let me uh, illustrate another way. How many of you are married? All right. Is your ultimate goal to control your spouse? 
Some of you are nodding. Good thing we have a marriage night coming up during that conference. If only I could control my spouse. I cannot control that woman. I've tried. It is not working. But that's okay. Did you get married to control someone or did you get married to have a loving connection with someone? But listen, I I still chose her. In fact, I chose her first. Just like God chose us first and then we responded and said yes to the invitation. Amen? In fact, I chose her long before she said yes. I waited a while. She told me no a few times, you guys. Okay. Yes, there's obedience. The Bible does speak of obedience. And obedience is good, but an overflow of love is better. Okay? We never fully graduate from the word obedience. Like, obedient, we have to be obedient to God. He tells us to do things. If you want to be a good disciple, you want to follow Jesus, you have to be obedient. We never fully graduate from that. That's one of the dimensions of our relationship with God. But listen, he wants to draw us into intimate friendship and intimacy with him. That's really his goal for you. Is that it's not just you, yes sir, it's you walking with the Lord in life, in participation, in one in spirit with him, amen? Jesus said this, John 15, verses 15 through 16, to his disciples, he said this, I no longer call you slaves, because a master does not confide in his slaves. You are my friend, since I told you everything the Father told me. You did not choose me, I chose you. So there's the sovereignty piece. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus' primary goal was not that we would produce fruit as slaves, but that we would produce fruit as friends. Amen? And that's totally different, by the way. He wants you to produce fruit as in a covenant with him, in friendship with him, in intimacy with him. That will produce better results than gritting your teeth and trying hard. Okay? He wants to draw us into intimate relationship with him. Why? Because he he loves us and he wants it to be choice. He let there be choice. Yes, he is our Lord. He is our master. He is our owner. But he wants to draw you into intimate friendship with him. And how awesome is that? That we can do that. The creator of the universe... He's created each of us for intimacy. He's created each of us to know him, to walk with him. I love it. This is the best deal in the world, you guys. He did it all. He redeemed us, and we get to walk with him. He has a plan, purpose, and destiny for us. It's so good. So this is the resurrected, resurrected life I'm talking about, union with him. His primary goal isn't to control you. It's to empower you. All right, that's point number one. Point number two, what does the resurrected life look like? Point number two, Jesus did not die on the cross for you to feel sorry for him. He came to set you free. He came to set you free, amen? Again, I hope you didn't come here because, you know, you want to pay respects to Jesus. That's awesome. We want to honor him. But I hope you can honor him more by living the resurrected life 365 days of the year. You can participate in this resurrection we're talking about every single day of the year. It goes with you. Amen? Okay. Jesus didn't come that we would live with an eternal guilt that he had to suffer. He came to set us free. He actually came to remove the guilt and to remove the shame. Guilt and shame are barriers and they're obstacles and they're, um, they're bondage. Jesus came to get that stuff off of you so that you could walk in relationship with him. He came to free us. Listen, uh, so we're going we're gonna to slot a religious cow here. Um, Jesus didn't necessarily come and die on the cross 
because we were sinners. Yes, he had to deal with our sin, but that's not the essence of why he came. Jesus came to save that which was lost, and it so happened that sin was an obstacle. It was a barrier, okay? Sin was the thing standing between you and him, but ultimately, he was after you. Jesus came because you were a lost son or daughter. And sin was just one of the barriers that he had to rip down to get to you. Let me give you an example. If someone kidnaps one of your kids and you know where your kid is being held, someone kidnapped your kid, you know where your kid's being held. Listen, I'll tell you what you would do. I don't need to ask. You would go get your kid. You would go get your child. You would, you would bring your posse with you and your guns or whatever else you need to do. You would go get your kid, amen? It wouldn't matter what the obstacle was, what was in the way, you would, you would handle it. You would handle it. There would be no debating. There would be no option. You'd handle it. Why? Because that's your kid. I love the song that we sing here sometimes, Reckless Love. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. Jesus removed every barrier that was between you and him. He left no stone unchurned to get to you. You guys know the, the movie uh, Taken with Liam Neeson? It's kind of a violent movie. I, I always reluctantly mention movies. Sometimes I say there's something about this movie that I really like, and then I forget all the bad things that happened in it. <laughs> so there's violence in that movie. But I love, as a father, I love the heart behind that movie. It's like, yeah, I, I will violently pursue my children. I will violently redeem them, just like Father did with us. Jesus came, and he died a violent death. Why? Because he was determined to redeem that which was lost, you. Amen? <clears throat> Jesus didn't reluctantly or begrudgingly come to redeem us. He came with force. He came with power. He came with precision. Um, <clears throat> uh, this last summer, um, Pastor Bill uh, Klein, who's um, one of our overseers for the church, he calls me up and he says, there's a, um, there's a gal who was in his uh, Sozo ministry. She was a, a gal who helped lead Sozo ministry. And she died, of, she died of cancer this last summer. And she was just a, uh, an older intercessor, strong, powerful woman. Um, she died. And she never came to City Lights Church, but she was following the journey. Um, my wife and I, before we planted church, we did a, a fundraiser called Kirk Climbs. We hiked 14 14ers in 14 days to raise money to, to start this. And um, she was kind of following the journey and had donated and was praying for us. And um, he said, hey, she, she passed away. And one of her dying wishes is that you would take her ashes and spread them on top of a 14er. And I thought... Okay, cool. Like, I need an excuse to hike anyway. You know, I'll go. I'll go spread some ashes. And uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to re recall her. Like, do I remember her? And I saw pictures of her. I was like, okay, yeah, I remember her. She's an awesome, powerful intercessor. And uh, and then I started kind of researching it a little bit. I'm like, how much do ashes weigh? And I was <laughs> I was surprised to find out that ashes weigh like 10 to 12 pounds. And so I'm like, okay, well, my small pack is out. I have to take the bigger pack. And if I'm going to be out there longer, then I'm going to need like three liters of water instead of a liter and a half. And then I'm going to need more snacks and more gear. And I'm like, this is actually going to be a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. 
you know, but I'll do it because I said I would do it, but I was not as excited when I found out it was going to be more difficult. <laughs> um, and so I had seen pictures of her um, as an older woman before she'd passed away. I remembered her well. But then there was one picture in the obituary that I saw, and it really captured my heart. And I, I'll go ahead and put up that picture. Ooh. This, is, this is her, obvi- obviously, as a, as a little, little girl. And what this, I, I can't get over this picture. It's like, Jesus, this is your precious, precious daughter who you did everything for. Um, this, this picture actually reminds me of our younger daughter, Evie, who's, who's 10. She'll be turning 11 here pretty soon. But when Evie was four and five years old, this really reminds me of what Evie was like. You know, look at this cowgirl. and Got her cookie in her hand and all this stuff. And so I see this picture, and then it, it just clicks, and it occurs to me. I'm like, God, this reminds me of my daughter. God, this is your precious daughter. This is your daughter that you came for. This is the one you came to redeem. And I just got a heart for her. And I'm like, God, I wanna, I'm going to take care of her. This is going to be a little bit harder, but I'm going to take, take care of her. Why? Because this is your precious daughter whom you love. You came and gave it all for her. This brought it into context for me of what Jesus did for her. Jesus came to remove every obstacle. You were the prize. You were the son. You were the daughter. And listen, it's the same with you and me. No matter what the obstacle was, Jesus was going to destroy the barrier between you and him. Sin was the obstacle, but you were the prize. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, what was the joy set before him? Someone said it right up here. You were the joy set before him. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured that hardship. He endured that pain. He endured that suffering because you were the joy set before him. He was happy to come in and redeem us. He didn't come for you to feel sorry for him. He came to set you free. Amen? All right, point number three. What does the resurrection life look like? Point number three. Jesus did not come to make you a goody two-shoes. He came to make you dangerous. Come on. Come on. He didn't come so we would be the first church of the do-gooders. Come to church and be good with us. We're the first church of the good-doers. Listen, that is, that makes me want to throw up, okay? I think this is why many times the church has problems attracting men to church. Men want to do something dangerous. Men want to go hunt and shoot and, you know what I mean? And we're like, come to church and, and, and everything's kind of like feminine and be good with us. You know what I mean? Listen, so men, you're here, your wife, you're here, whatever. Listen, Jesus called you to be dangerous. He called you to be a world changer. Amen? <clears throat> world changers are dangerous. Jesus was dangerous. Jesus' disciples were dangerous, and they turned the world upside down. I hope your main Christian goal isn't to be, I want to be good. Listen, I hope that's not your main Christian goal. I hope your main Christian goal is to be like Jesus. Jesus is love personified. And it so happens you're going to do some good things in the process. But listen, love does crazy things. Love changes the world around it. Love takes risks. Love is selfless. And so my question today, and I'll close with this, is this. Are you living the resurrected life? 
I didn't come here to observe Easter, observe the resurrection. I came to participate in the resurrection. I came to want to live this 365 days of the year. It's possible to be a confessing Christian and have no idea what God has called you into. God isn't looking for just confessing Christians. There are plenty of those. And our confession is important. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Our confession is important, but more than that, he wants to transform you and follow him. Amen? Find out who he has called you to be, and you will never want to be anyone else. Many of you are scrolling through Instagram or whatever the kids are doing these days. I don't know. Or whatever you're doing, and you're like, oh, I wish I could be like this person or that person or this person. Listen, find out who he's called you to be. You'll be so preoccupied with the journey he has you on, with the wild ride that he has you on, you'll never even think about being anyone else. It'll just crush insecurity. Amen? Jesus came to give us access to the kingdom of God. He came to empower you. He came to set you free. He came to make you dangerous. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray. And then we'll close here. Father, we love you. Thank you for every individual in this room. We thank you for the resurrection, Lord God. You paid it all on the cross for us. And you were put in the grave, Lord. And you took the the keys to death. And you took the keys to hell, Lord God. The keys of the kingdom, Lord God. But God, you rose on that third day. You rose from the grave, declaring that we're justified. Declaring that we're right with the Father. I just declare these people here are world changers, Lord God. The world changes, Lord God, and we want to walk in intimate, loving, powerful relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close, I want to do one more thing, and that is if you're here and you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, this is your day. This is your day to, to invite Jesus in. Ben, ben said this amazing at the beginning of the service. You know, salvation isn't free. It's like... Uh, all the government programs. They're not free, you know. They could give them to you for free, but someone's paying for them, right? Listen, same thing with salvation. It's the free gift that we receive, but somebody paid for it. Jesus paid for it. So what that means is you can't pay for it. You can't pay for it. Uh, The illustration I like to give is if being made right with God was like jumping over the Grand Canyon. Uh, Yeah, some people would make it further than others. Some people would make it five feet, 10 feet, but no one's making it over the narrowest point at the Grand Canyon is 600 feet. No one's making it that far, okay? So no matter how good of a person you are, the, the chasm is still too far wide. The deep, uh, the, the depth is still too deep. This is why Jesus came to this earth, to pay the penalty on the cross for your sins. He took your sin, my sin, and the sins of the world and, and placed it, God placed it on him on the cross. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he gives us the gift. The gift that you can never earn, the gift that you can never deserve. It is the gift of salvation. It's the gift of a restored relationship with God. I've talked about the resurrected life, but the resurrected life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you place your faith and trust in him. If that makes sense to you today and you're here and you want to receive this grace, you want to receive this gift that God offers to all would simply call on his name. I want to pray for you. And uh, I don't need to bring anyone up front. We can do that after the service. We'll have prayer counselors after the service to pray for you. But I do want to know this morning who I'm praying for. So right where you're at, if you would do something so bold, right where you're at, you would just say, yeah, that's me. Today's my day. I want to receive Jesus. Would you just, just acknowledge that by just stretching up your hand and saying, that's me. How many here would say, yeah, I need, I need to do that today? 
How many would say that's me? Just shoot your hand up for me. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Awesome. Praise God. You guys can put those hands down. I want to pray a prayer. And listen, it's not in the eloquence of this prayer. I'm going to have everyone repeat this prayer after me. It's not in the eloquent, magical words of this prayer. It's the cry of the heart that God sees and hears. And so I'm going to have everyone repeat this after me. Those of you who are making this decision to place your faith in the Lord today, repeat this prayer, but mean it with all of your heart. Amen? Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for coming to this world for me. Thank you for taking my sins. Today I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Be my Lord. Be my God. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. I trust you. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everyone here said... Amen. Come on, put your hands together. <clears throat> the decision, I mentioned free will here. The fact is that God chose all of us from the foundation of the world. The decision to follow him is the most important decision a human being can ever make while they walk the face of the earth. It's the most important decision you can make. It's not who you marry. It's not if you go to college or where you live. It's if you follow the Lord. That's the most important decision you can ever make. Those of you that made that choice today, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Welcome to the family. And again, after the service, I want you to come down. We're going to have prayer counselors up here. If you need prayer for anything today, you can, we're happy to pray anything going on. But if you made that decision today, we would love for you to tell someone, we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you and get you started on the right direction in this decision that you made today. Amen. All right. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.